welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Seven minutes after the hour, Jennifer Bukowski is going to be with us in a half an hour. Uh, Pro-life Herschel Walker allegedly paid for his girlfriend's abortion. His son uh, said every family member begged him not to run because he's got a dirty laundry uh, problem. Reason Magazine wrote about uh, Missouri Libertarian Party declining to endorse the marijuana legalization initiative. She wants to talk about that. Uh, the Episcopal, Ch Episcopal Church gives voluntary reparations to Wisconsin's indigenous tribes for stolen land. Where do I get in line for that? I should get some money for that. Uh, then uh, Candace Owens uh, and company wearing a White Lives Matter t-shirt. Uh, that's uh, in the news. Uh, fumbled depositions place prosecutor in hot water in Missouri. Uh, so we got a whole bunch of stories coming from her. Uh, Gary, I was listening last week. You spoke with a man recently who wrote a book about the COVID hysteria. One of his examples involved an 85-year-old woman who fell off a ladder, broke her leg, and was listed as a COVID death. I didn't hear the entire conversation, missed his name, and can't track down that book online. Could you please repeat his name? I will try and look it up, Lindsay, and get it to you. Um, uh, it, it'll be a little homework, as it was last week, but I'll try. All right. The hurricane uh, that hit Florida. Devastating. Man, I would not want to be uh, looking to insure uh, uh, a piece of property in Florida. Uh, so there are a couple of pieces on this. We'll play a John Stossel piece. But uh, if you get a chance, look up Michael Schellenberger. Michael Schellenberger. He writes, after, uh, over the last week, the mainstream news media claimed the hurricanes are becoming more frequent and intense, but they're not. And the data clearly show that. What's more, it's clear the media are engaging in deliberate misinformation. They know better. And I wonder what guys like, uh, you know, the liberals that we that we talk to, what they think when they realize that this is, you know, this is not happening. Uh, that we don't have uh, this increase in hurricanes or tornadoes or in their intensity. John Stossel talks about myths about hurricanes. It's hell on earth as Hurricane Ian slams into Florida. Hurricane Ian did tremendous damage. Many reporters took risks to cover it well. But a lot of what the media and politicians told us about hurricanes was just wrong. The federal government will cover 100% of the cost. Myth one, a big storm requires big government. FEMA's already distributed $40 million in direct assistance to survivors. Politicians eagerly shower money on disaster areas. And central planners like this college professor say government must take control. You need some sort of uh, group of people to figure out the process by which these communities are going to rebuild. But that's not true. During Hurricane Katrina, Matt Mayer, working for Homeland Security, saw that the federal government was just too bureaucratic to be much help. Who's going to do it if not the government? States, locals, communities, neighbors. Are they capable? Of course they're capable. They've been doing it for 200 years. After a disaster, charities usually help more than government. Even NBC's anchors noticed it after a tornado. 
There's FEMA, and then there's the faith-based FEMA. If you're waiting for the government, you're going to yeah. be in for an awful long wait. FEMA fails because, as with all government bureaucracies, there's no incentive to spend efficiently. Hundreds of FEMA trailers bought with your tax dollars are sitting empty, never used. Charities don't waste money like that, and they help people quickly. Tsunamis, earthquakes, hurricanes. Anytime there's a storm, anytime there's any kind of dis destruction anywhere, we're on it uh, immediately. They cleaned it up and fixed it up, got us in a home, and they've done that for our whole neighborhood. Communities all across America every day come together and figure out how to meet the needs of, the, of their neighbors. It's called being an American. Myth two, we need government to stop greedy businesses from raising prices. Price gouging, officials call it. It's an issue every hurricane season because after storms, some merchants raise prices. They're just taking advantage of us. They're taking advantage of making money, extra money because there's a hurricane coming. So even Republican politicians tell businesses. You cannot substantially raise prices, whether it's a hotel room, fuel, commodities such as water, generators. That's what these bad people are doing. Bad people? No. When there are storms, consumers need specific supplies. Hot items like generators, batteries, and sandbags are flying off the shelves. Definitely water. Literally, as soon as you walk through the stores, it's gone. Why is it totally gone? Well, think about it. If stores don't raise prices, we consumers stock up on everything we might need. So only the first customers get what they want. Batteries, propane, um, tarps, all the generators are gone. But if the store could raise prices for items in demand, fewer people would hoard. Supplies running low. And more customers would get what they need. Anti-gouging rules even punish some good people who risk their safety to bring us what we need. After Hurricane Katrina, John Shepperson heard that people in Mississippi desperately needed things. So John left the safety of his home bought 19 generators, put them in a rented U-Haul, and drove it 600 miles to a town that had no electricity. John offered to sell his generators for twice what he paid for them. People were excited. They, we had a product they needed. But Mississippi police wouldn't allow John to sell them. They called that price gouging. They confiscated his generators and locked John up in this jail. They called him a criminal for potentially saving lives. Actually, the price gougers are the moral ones. These high school students who learn economics through Sossel in the Classroom videos, they have more wisdom than most adults. When people hear price gouging, they think, oh, gouging this awful thing that you think of, but it really is kind of just another name for supply and demand. Politicians and the media rarely understand economics. They have trouble with science, too. Storms get stronger and more destructive. Myth number three is that because of climate change, hurricanes are getting worse. It is feeding these beasts. It's getting stronger and stronger. The winds are getting harder and harder. No, they aren't. You can take a look at all the hurricanes around the planet. We can see them since 1970 because we got global satellite coverage. Right. And we can measure their power. And we can add up their power. And there is no significant increase whatsoever. There may be someday, but so far the U.S. government says there's no strong evidence of increasing trends in major hurricanes. 
But the media keep claiming. It is clearly the case that climate change is making storms like this one stronger. The people ranting about the climate crisis making storms worse. Linked to human-caused climate change. They believe they're doing the right thing. But just because you think you're helping doesn't mean you are. Which brings us to our last destructive myth. America must have government flood insurance because private insurance is too expensive. But government insurance just encourages people to build in flood zones. And that's unfair to taxpayers. Yes, some foolish people, like me, want a house near an ocean. Years ago, I built this one. That's the younger me there. It was stupid to build next to an ocean. The high cost of insurance would have stopped me. But then I discovered that government offers affordable insurance. They even advertise it. Once upon a time, there was a nice house that lived with a family. One day, it started to rain and rain. But federal flood insurance can't stop the floods. One day, a storm swept away my first floor. Then the ocean took my whole house. I lost my house. But thanks to government guarantees, I didn't lose money. I won't do it again. But others will. It's another example of how government does harm in the name of doing good. Until we learn the truth about storms, we'll keep making the same costly mistakes again and again. John Stossel making sense as he always does. Jennifer Bukowski going to be with us about 15 minutes from now on the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. You know, I was wondering, and I, I'm, I'm going to do this uh, extemporaneously. I hadn't given this uh, a great deal of thought, uh, but I wonder to myself, when I hear stories like the one I'm going to play for you, how liberals can live with themselves? How can they live with the decisions they make and the things they do to other people? No matter how noble the cause, when they take your money or push for these bizarre uh, you know, windmills that they tilt at, how do they rationalize voting for more of it? This is a story that uh, I listened to this uh, earlier this morning. I hadn't thought about it, but this young lady is uh, sitting in front of a camera. Uh, it looks like uh, it's maybe on her laptop or her home computer. And talking about what she's gone through. And this is something progressives are promoting. And I, and I wonder, how do, they, how do they sleep at night? How can you vote for a Democrat? when you know they're doing this to people. I can't believe this happened. I ruined my life. Um, when you break it down, I decided that I didn't want to be a woman before I had ever even experienced being a woman. I had no idea what being a woman was like because I was a child. And um, now I feel like I will never entirely know um <clears throat> I I want to say that I really feel like some people in the trans community and the trans medicalists and the doctors really really target the most vulnerable of us. I have borderline personality disorder and I know for a fact that this is the reason for my transition. Um it's a very difficult mental illness. 
And uh, one of the core features is not having any sense of self or identity. And um, my doctors knew this. Um, I, I told them, even though they didn't ask, um, that I had been diagnosed with BPD. Um, and it was all fine to them. I wasn't happy as a girl, so that meant I was a boy and I was trans. And so I, I just um, took the cure that was handed to me. Um, I, I was told that I was being given a cure and I, I wouldn't want to kill myself anymore. Um, and it wasn't true. No, <laughs> I didn't want to cry in this video, but this is such a hard thing to talk about. I, um, I lost a lot of things to this, and I just hope that anyone else who's going through what I went through as a young girl will not be prescribed hormones and surgery because of other things. Um, you know, there are so many mental health disorders that make you hate your body. And the solution isn't to change your body, it's to fix your brain, you know? Um, I just don't want anyone else to ever feel this way. I lost my voice, I lost my chest. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to have kids. Um, I feel like no one wants to date me or love me because I'm ruined. How do you live with yourself? How do you Democrats live with yourselves? You do this stuff constantly. That girl's life has has been ruined. And you're and you promote it. You you want it to happen to others. How how do you how do you live with yourself? You take money from people that you didn't earn because you have a, a cause you think is worthwhile. You push these bizarre sexual things on people. Look, I don't care what you do as a consenting adult. You have every right to do what you want without me sitting in judgment. But when you promote things like this, I wonder how you live with yourselves. How, how do you do that? It's disappointing to think that you can just promote this push it in schools and and this you know everything else that you're doing in schools the 1619 project and everything else that's designed to make Americans hate America you take away freedoms all the time and you don't have any remorse I don't understand how you live with yourselves. Every progressive that votes for a Democrat, this is what you're doing. Every 
every public teacher, every teacher in a, in a government school that promotes critical race theory and 1619 Project, and don't tell me you're not doing it, because we know that they're doing it. We know that they're disguising it. You're being deceitful. And you're, you're okay with it. You, you let kids come into school and change clothes into the opposite sex and, and you're okay with it. I don't, I don't think I could live with myself if I were a Democrat. I don't think I could live with myself if I were promoting abortion. How morally reprehensible progressivism is. I don't know. I saw that story and that's all I could think of is how how broke does your brain have to be to vote for progressives? And this fairness and inclusion crap. And that's what it is. It's crap. You you can't have equality if you try to bring the bottom up by taking from the top, all you do is, frankly, shear off the top. Different people will do differently in society. Some will succeed, some will not. But everything you stand for is immoral. Uh, let's see, 874-9390-800-529-5572. You can go to, uh, you can go to GaryNolan.com, send me a message as well. Jennifer Bukowski is going to be with us in about five minutes. Richard, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Hey, talk more to you, Gary. Yes, sir. Are you, are you aware that the Amendment 2 for the, um, marijuana has a provision in there that they're going to have, uh, the critical race theory will not be governed by any government entity or the governor at all. There's a uh, a uh, provision in there that says that uh, there'll be an officer in there. That, okay, uh, you're not you're you're really not on topic, Richard. But we're going to talk about the marijuana thing in just a few minutes. Thank you, uh, Alan. Welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Hey, Gary. You mentioned that the liberals promote the trans issues and stuff. And it's not that they promote it. They gleefully and pridefully promote it, and, and they celebrate it. And the ones I really don't understand are the ones who are doing this to their young, their own young children. But, you know, they, they talk about how caring they are, but they're driving people into a higher suicide rate and, again, happy about it. So it's like they sit there and say, we don't want these people around, et cetera, et cetera, but they're the ones trying to kill them off. Yep. I, I, it just makes no sense. I, uh, seriously, I, I don't understand how they can live with themselves when they promote this sort of thing. Encourage it, even. And from what I understand, study after study has shown that uh, the people who do this are no happier and no more satisfied with their lives, and, and many times less so after they have it done, just like this one you played uh, the, the tape from. Yeah. Uh, so they're not doing any good. It's just horrible. Yeah, the one study that indicated that this was better for these uh, young kids turned out to be a horribly flawed study. But that doesn't stop them from using it as an argument. All this because they're the ones acting out. And they don't want anybody to think 
badly of them. So they're just going to pollute the stream even more. All right. I got to run, Alan. Thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Jennifer Bukowski, she's going to be with us in just a couple of minutes. And we'll talk about marijuana law. We'll talk about Georgia's Senate candidate. we got a ton of ta- uh, topics on the table. We'll share them with you on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is 35 minutes after 10 o'clock and glad to have you with us. Also glad to have Jennifer Bukowski with us. She comes on every Tuesday morning with a whole host of stories. I think what she's doing, I think this is her version of Froster Buns Friday. She comes on and vents and uh, gives us all kinds of stories, including uh, Herschel Walker in the news. Uh, boy, that's uh, that's got to hurt. A little hypocrisy there. What's the story, yeah, no Jen? Kidding, Gary. So to win back the Senate, we need to win at least one seat held by Democrats now and hold on to all the ones that we currently have. And unfortunately, Fetterman or Fetterwoman, whatever you want to call him, up in Pennsylvania, is running very closely with Oz. Like, he has been beating him in polls. Oz is finally catching up. But Georgia was key for us. And with this new story that's breaking, that he allegedly paid for some woman's abortion, I'm afraid that even with Brian Kemp, you know, pulling so far ahead that it might not be enough for Herschel Walker to win the seat because that will make that abortion in Georgia, that, that, excuse me, that election in Georgia all about abortion and the suburban women that people like to complain about, but which uh, everyone seeks, I don't think that they're going to appreciate this story at all, that he allegedly in 2009, this isn't like when he was 19 years old, this is in 2009, paid for some woman's abortion. It's a Daily Beast story, and they have apparently verified it. They don't name the woman, but they say they have pictures of a Get Well card, and he wrote a $700 check, and she has a receipt for getting an abortion for like $550, and she said that the difference was like she was Googling how much one would cost, and so... That is the story. This is on top of stories that he had loved children with multiple women. And this is a guy that's been running on this whole platform of black fathers should be involved in their children's lives. Well, one of his adult children with his wife is like, you never raised any of the ch- any of your four children. He went off on him on Twitter and said that everyone in the family begged him not to run because they knew some of his dirty laundry would all be aired, and he did it anyways out of his own ego. So this is a problem, Gary. Yeah. Um, was he a Trump-endorsed uh, yes. primary candidate? Yeah. Yes, him and Oz, both Trump-endorsed candidates. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, split ticket is uh, troublesome. Uh, in Georgia, you would hope that uh, because Stacey Abrams is taking such a beating that perhaps, just maybe, uh, he can be pulled over the edge. Uh, speaking of Stacey Abrams, listen to this. Is there any scenario under which you would concede that you lost publicly in 2018? In 2018, on the day I made that speech, if you played the beginning of the speech, I acknowledged that I was not the governor, that Brian Kemp won the election. What I said is that the process 
denied access to too many voters. And that was proven by more than 3,000 voters who made their voices heard by a f of trial and a process that was the first full-length trial held on voting rights in more than a decade in the state of Georgia. And I have never denied the outcome. I've always questioned the process and the access. And I think it's dangerous and disingenuous mm -hmm. to conflate concerns about access with concerns about outcome. Except she lost in court. She, brought she did. Yeah. And she did have a full trial by an Obama-appointed judge, by the way, who found that none of her claims were valid. They looked in, they have a 231-page ruling here, which I confess, it didn't, oh, it's, it's like 288, excuse me, 288 pages. And as much as I love coming on your show, Gary, I did not read the 288-page ruling, but the Wall Street Journal certainly did. They had this op-ed uh, in their paper saying that, look, you know, she's been saying for years that she did not win the election and she had this big trial and the ruling found that everything is kosher there in Georgia. They had a system where, like, if you register, like, my name is, like, my name is Brian Robert Hansen, and I register by, like, Robbie Hansen. It'll flag that and make you, like, come in and show your ID if you don't, if your name doesn't exactly match. The court found that that's not unconstitutional. They have all kinds of other tools that they analyzed and found that they could not find a single instance of that, like, exact match system depriving someone of the right to vote. So that's way beyond, like, with the Trump litigation, you couldn't show enough votes would have been affected by the out would have changed the outcome. We could find problematic votes, though, and for that complaint that she had, they couldn't find a single vote that didn't happen because of it. She's getting hammered. Um, it, it's a it's a cakewalk for the governor. Uh, he is and definitely. I know, and you're right. He could pull Herschel Walker over the line here. But what we're getting with Herschel Walker, who knows? But it'll be better than Raphael Warnock if it does manage, if we do manage to pull that one off. Well, you know, the only advantage really is that it gives uh, Mitch McConnell or whoever ends up uh, in charge for the Republicans the ability to uh, control what comes up for a vote uh, and it and, and gives the uh, Republicans the edge in that respect. But Can't it's... Confirm judges? Huh? And to confirm judges, yeah, I mean, yeah, but the, the the Republicans have not. Uh, they've in the past, you know, not until Trump, uh, but in the past before that, uh, they had a hard time standing up to Democrat. Uh, actually, even now, I, I'll take that back. The, the Republicans have a hard time turning down judicial nominees. That uh, the Democrat uh, presidents put up. I mean, they, Mitch McConnell did uh, delay uh, who, what is now our uh, uh, Attorney of, General Merrick Garland. Yeah, <laughs> but usually <clears throat> they let them through. And the 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 Democrats, in order to be uh, nominated by a Democrat president, you have to be willing to reinterpret the Constitution which is like reinterpreting the law to fit your needs. And and the the Republicans should reject those candidates out of hand right away. But they don't. 
Um, and, and that's how we've ended up with so many horrible uh, uh, Democrat uh, uh, judges on the federal bench. Well, the now cost- they're all pretending to be textualists, which is a huge sea change that's happened. I mean, for, the Federalist Society has been around 40 years. We've been talking about textualism and originalism, and now that's what they're all pretending to be. Even the Democrat-appointed Supreme Court judges have said that we're all textualists now. So that's what Sotomayor said during our confirmation hearings. Yeah, but so they aren't. to separate that because none of them are sitting there admitting that they're going to find new rights in the Constitution or, you know, discover these all these new things and basically legislate as super legislators. They, and, the, and the left aren't used to losing because the Supreme Court has been dominated by the left since the 1930s. And so now when the left lose, they attack the validity of the court, which I think is I really know. dangerous. And, you know, the whole problem is that they're protesting in the wrong place and they're still protesting in the wrong place because the court never should have been creating legislation and policies that affect us all. They should have been saying what the law is, not what the law should should be. And so even, you know, after abortion has now been sent back to the states, these people are, for the most part, still protesting in the Supreme Court about it and still coming after the court. Hopefully they'll figure it out to go to their state legislatures or go amend your state constitutions well, because the Supreme Court has said that that's back in the hands of the people to decide these things. Whether, you know, you can have morning after pills, whether you can get an abortion at six weeks, at eight weeks, at 12 weeks, like they do in Europe. Each country is slightly different. States in America are going to be similar. Lindsey Graham didn't help matters. Some places you can. Lindsey Graham did not help matters. When he announced that national Yes. You know, the whole point of getting rid of Roe v. Wade, which was poorly decided, even by people on the left, they admitted it, was to give it to the states because they get to make these kinds of decisions. And then he turns around and tries to write something at the federal level. What a horrible message. But fortunately, the economy has eclipsed this. And I predicted that, you know, in blue states, this would subside when they realized it wasn't going to affect them. Uh, and the economy, of course, is top of mind for everybody. Inflation uh, is a, a major problem. And that's why I predicted the Republicans would take the Senate. Uh, and it appears that they are on the cusp if just one or two candidates. Well, can I disagree with you slightly on the Lindsey Graham thing? You can. You'd be wrong. Well, when the conversation, like, I agree, like, I'm a lawyer, as a constitutional, a person that cares about the Constitution, I, I'm skeptical of this. But I don't think the plan was to get it through, but the plan was to change the conversation to make it about 15 weeks, which was what one of the lawsuits originally was uh, that got challenged all the way to the United States Supreme Court that would be more similar to Europe. Because when this first happened, the case first got issued, the Dobbs decision first came out, we had a lot of Republicans saying no no abortions ever, and that's not totally in line with what the public say. And I listened to a pollster at RNLA speak to us over the lunch period. He's fantastic. He runs, like, the Trafalgar polling group. He was so interesting, and one of the things he said that is that we're much better off talking about banning partial birth abortions and things like that, but we do start... we get votes with that we lose votes when we start talking about 
no exceptions, no abortion ever. Yeah, you you let the states make those decisions. The federal government hasn't got a role in this. The federal government, it's the states that say, here's this is first degree murder, this is manslaughter, that's second degree, here's the punishment for each of those. States make those choices, not the federal government. There is Right, I agree with that. Uh, but I think that that was just a political move to try yeah, to change the conversation away from things that was, were costing them in the polls. I don't it know was a bad move. The right move would have been to tell uh, his uh, state counterparts to make clear what limits you're going to put on abortion so that the left couldn't invent their own version of uh, what a pro-life state would be. All right, well, I'm up against the clock. They could. They still could have it less than 15 weeks, but then the Democrats would be at the national level having to defend why we should be allowed to have it after 15 weeks. States decide. All right, I got to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Jennifer Bukowski, our guest. Uh, Missouri Libertarian Party isn't going to endorse marijuana legislation. That's next on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 53 minutes after the hour. Jennifer Bukowski with us on the Gary Nolan Show. Missouri Libertarian Party is not going to endorse marijuana legalization initiative. We libertarians are in favor of legalizing marijuana. We don't think the government should be regulating it. We don't think they should be taxing it. Well, unless you have the same retail tax you have for a pair of uh, shoes uh, at the same level. But they shouldn't be, like, profiting largely uh, for the right to smoke marijuana. And yet, the party's officially not supporting this. Why not, Jen? That's a confusing thing to me. The head of the party in Missouri himself is going to vote for it. The Missouri Democratic Party also came out against it, but it looks like, according to polls, it might pass. But one thing that the chairman, Bill Slants, told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch is that we don't believe that government at any level should have legislation against drugs. And the language of this amendment would have, you know, cap it at three ounces is allowed per person. So I guess they take a Objection to limiting it to three ounces, but three ounces is like almost three times what the misdemeanor amount of marijuana has been, which is 35 grams. I mean, they don't work out exactly. It's 1.23 ounces is 33 grams or 35 grams, excuse me. So it's interesting. I mean, the Republican governor is against this also. And my pro-marijuana legalization friends are divided on it even. Dan Veets is one of the ones behind this. Uh, Claire McCaskill's former, you know, head guy, Jack Cardetti, is uh, one of the movers and shakers behind uh, trying to get Amendment 3 passed. Ethan Thampy, a uh, guy I've known a long time, who's been a longtime advocate for the legalization of marijuana, has been against this amendment. And he takes objection to, like, the way that the licenses would be handed out. Uh, yeah. One one thing that's being criticized is that it might, you know, the way the licenses are handed out might not be good for people of color. But uh, Dan Veed says that the American Civil Liberties Union of Missouri and at least four NAACP chapters have uh, supported, do support this amendment. So I can't really uh, make heads or tails of why uh the pro-marijuana people are so divided on this and that the Democrats and the Republicans seem to be in agreement against it. Well, it's 
I think it's overly <laughs> it's overly complex uh, with ridiculous limits. And you know, my personal position is I probably uh, will vote for that. I'd, I'd have uh, you know, I'd rather have something. That's, uh, a big bite of the dog is better than no bite of the dog at all. But I think it's way way too complicated. And it still doesn't really free people. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's better than nothing, but it isn't particularly good. And I think that's Kinda the... Kind of like uh, riverboat gambling. Like, yeah, it was better than nothing, but very few people could actually come and compete in a free marketplace with gambling boats. And it's nearly impossible to get... You know, so I hope it's not as onerous uh, restrictions as the gambling boats have been. But we that's, I feel like, something we voted in. Because, oh, well, having this will help with state revenues and it's better than nothing. But then it's hard to get that loosened up once you have that big step taken. So maybe that's why people are opposed to it. Because they're like, I'd rather just hold out of hand, legalize it. But I checked in, like, what New York just legalized is three ounces for personal use. So it's not that so, out of whack with other states. So 3.1 ounces and you're in the Huskow? I, yeah, but really, you probably won't be if it's that close. But, but they need to put something in there because that's the thing. It's like I like to buy in bulk personally. I don't smoke marijuana, but, like, why is it their business if I decide to buy, you know, more in than bulk. that in bulk, basically? But I guess this is still that old mentality of if you have more than that, then you must be a drug dealer. And if you're a drug dealer, you need to have a license now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just. It's ridiculous. They should have no limit. I can go out and buy a case of whiskey. I can buy five cases, ten cases of whiskey. I can buy all the beer I want. Nobody's going to say, well, you can only have 12 ounces of beer in your home or on you at any one time. Right. Or so, ammunition is something I like to stock up on. You know, it doesn't expire generally. Yeah. When you can find it, buy it, right? Yeah. Uh, it won't so. go stale. Uh, but anyway, I, so I think it, it's like better than nothing, but not much, and that's why they're they're probably not in favor of it. Uh, and and they're doing this. this they're is treating in Reason Magazine. That's on the front page of Reason Magazine. I'm like, hey, Missouri Libertarian Party is against the amendment. That's kind of interesting. The other thing is they always tax this stuff at an incredibly high rate, which doesn't really help kill the black market because the black market can undersell them. And then yeah, they complain, well, uh, you know, you said if we legalize this, the problem would go away. And they're profiting unusually, uh, uh, in, in unusually high amounts from this, and they shouldn't be. It's none of their business. Right. Sin taxes. They need to, like, think about the Laffer curve on that. Like, if, if you make the rates lower, you'll get way more revenue. Yeah. Because people will actually comply and not go on the black market. And this is why, this is why the prohibition of alcohol ended. It was because of the depression, and they needed the tax money. And there's an excise tax on alcohol. Uh, it's 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 being driven by money, and this you know this could reward the state financially, which is not a really good motive. An Episcopal church gives voluntary reparations to Wisconsin's indigenous tribes. I want to get in line for that. We'll talk about it next with General Bukowski. This is the Gary Nolan Show.